Welcome to Michael Stone's podcast, Awaken the World. This podcast is part of an online community library we're developing, one that contains podcasts, videos, transcripts and booklets based on Michael's talks. The goal of this library and this podcast is to bring mindfulness and mental health into the spotlight. Through this work, we're creating new ways to wake up through socially engaged, conscious, spiritual practice. We're creating a culture of compassion and collaboration. We've left our physical monasteries and we're bringing them online. Before we get to today's podcast, I want to take a moment to ask you to consider becoming a patron of this podcast through Patreon. Pledging is easy and can be as little as $1 per month. Just go to patreon.com forward slash Michaelstone and click on the big orange button on the top right of the page. Thank you for listening. with something through the senses that actually there is a point of freedom, there is a point of choice. And so the meditation process is so that over time we develop a greater creative awareness, mindfulness, so that when we see the contact, we start to see the contact at the beginning instead of way at the end, and we kind of start to see the contact and then we start to see the feeling And then we start to have the choice, do I grasp or not? Because in a way, generally, when we come in contact with something, we have a tendency to grasp. And we have a tendency to to kind of, in a way, proliferate and exaggerate with what we grasp at. And so in a way, the, the meditation is giving us more space. So in a way, to see that by concentrating, by coming back, coming back, coming back, we develop more (coughs) spaciousness. And then at the same time, by developing the looking deeply, then we start to look differently. So then we can start to first be more stable so we can start to see the point of contact. And then we can also see the moment of grasping and over time I have choice. Do Do I grasp or not? So let me explain a little this process of grasping. To me, in a way, meditation is helping us, instead of grasping, to develop creative engagement. So I don't see non-grasping as detachment, as kind of starting to float above, above everything. On the contrary, I see creative engagement as enabling us to have an attitude of stability and openness so that we can meet things in a different way. But first we have to see what happens when we grasp and how that actually kind of really create a certain, what I would call, painful processes. So the way to show it, let's say that this is very precious to me. And either it's, I don't know, gold, diamond, or the greatest truth (coughs) in the universe, but no matter what, it's precious to me. I like it, I love it, I want to keep it, I don't want to share it too much, I want to protect it from being taken away from me. So I grasp at it. So I hold on to it. And if I hold on to it long enough, two things happen. The first one 
is that I will get a cramp in the arm. <laughs> and this is a way to notice that if there is tension, generally there is grasping. But there is something which is much more problematic. And it's a fact that by grasping at this in this way, I cannot use my hand for anything else. So I am stuck to what I am grasping at. Because generally we have the feeling by grasping at something, it will be better. I think it's actually often the opposite. So what is the solution to this grasping problem? One could be to cut the hand, but that's a little drastic. Next one is getting rid of the object. But generally the object is not saying, come, 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 you really want to grasp at me. And that's a feeling you might have if you go on a kind of, I don't know, big kind of supermarket or in the street and you have your favorite shop and you have the feeling, you know, the latest iPad is calling out to you. He's saying, you really want me, you know, it's kind of glowing. But the object doesn't do anything. It just came upon condition. And so I would say meditation is a process of releasing. So we release our hold so that there can be space. The thing can be used, it can be moved. And so what we have to see with this process of grasping is that we grasp and immediately together you have identification. So generally when there is grasping, there is I, me, mine. Then you solidify around what you grasp at then you solidify around it, and then you isolate yourself with it, and then you magnify it. And the problem actually is isolation and the magnification. And that's what I was saying, you have a problem, and generally it's forever. So that in a way, as you, soon as you grasp, you reduce yourself. And then your creative potential has no space. And so in a way, the idea of the meditation is to make us see more that point of contact. So then we have more choices. Do I creatively engage or do I grasp? And it's important to see that with grasping, we have these two sidelines which comes together. One is proliferation. That when we grasp at something, we generally proliferate with it. For example, if you see some beautiful flower, I mean, now it springs and soon we'll have flowers and, you know, maybe you see, I don't know, some daffodil or you see some fancy, you know, Japanese uh, cherry tree and blossoming and you see this beautiful tree. Oh, they're beautiful. In my village at the moment, there is this beautiful plum tree in the kind of full and against the sky. It's beautiful. And so I can be with it, creative engagement, I see the tree, I see the beauty of the tree, and I stay there. But generally with grasping, you, I see the tree, I see the beauty, and then I think, mm, I really like it. I would like to have such a tree in my garden. Where could I put it in my garden? Where could I buy it? And then I am not with the beauty anymore. I'm gone in the proliferation. And it's very important to see that generally with grasping, we go in proliferation and we go in abstraction. This is what the problem is. Generally, we're not in the experience anymore. We moved into some kind of more abstract realm. At the same time also, what happens often is exaggeration. 
If you find yourself exaggerating, then generally you are grasping at something, you know? Like one time I had a friend, I phoned and I said, how are you? And she said, life is terrible, everything is terrible, all the time, it's awful. And I said, what happened? Nothing happened, it's always terrible. <laughs> so after 10 minutes of this, finally she said, yes, something happened yesterday. And then we were in the relative present, and then we could see how can we creatively engage with it. But as soon as she was in the exaggeration, there was nothing you could do. The creative potential was just at no place. And it's very important that grasping is not just positive. I like something I wanted. You do exactly the same thing when you push something away. When you reject something, you give it the same power. The same thing happens. And then since we do this often with painful things, it makes them even more painful. Let's say you were work in an office, you have a problem with somebody, somebody said something, lasted about 10 minutes, and you're upset and you think, how could this, how could he say this? He's always like this. If only he was not in this office, I could really, really work. And oh, really, it's such a pain. And yes, you know, and the atmosphere. And, you know, and then you go round and round. You leave the office, in your car, in the bus, go round and round. You come back home, you cook, round and round. You wash the dishes, round and round. You go to bed, you can't sleep because it goes round and round. But the person has not asked to be in your head. <laughs> we are keeping the person in our head by the grasping. <coughs> this is what I mean by proliferation, exaggeration. And we do the same if we want something than if we push it away. And I think it's very important for us to be aware of that. Then you have what I wanted to, to suggest we do today and uh, maybe through the rest of the weekend is to notice the contact with the senses. Because this, I think, was a, the, the big kind of teaching of the Buddha that we become more aware of contact. I come into contact through hearing, seeing, tasting, smelling. What do I do? If I see something, I see it, ooh, this is nearly immediate. I like it. Ooh, I like, I want it. I don't like it. How can she wear that, you know? <laughs> this is weird, you know? Canadian people, they wear weird things. You know, <laughs> you know? proliferation, exaggeration. <laughs> no, and so in a way, when we see something, it doesn't mean that we should not see it. We see it. This is an important point about awareness, about mindfulness. We see it. But how do we see it? What is our relationship? Is it grasping or is it creative engagement? And so in a way, to see when we see something we like, when we see something we don't like. How do we respond to this? And so this is a good exercise I would recommend if you pass in front of your favorite shop, you know, to kind of see what do I do? You know, how does it feel when I am in the grasping mode? And you feel you have to have the thing yesterday. And how does it feel when it's more creative engagement, which is, do I really need this? Can I afford it? Because so that's also the question. But one thing which is interesting with visual contact is that often we grasp at something that is not there. 
So I think it's okay if you grasp at something that's there. Fair enough. But a lot of the time we grasp at something that's not there. So we add something more pain. When we moved to France and we had to, to renovate our house, then we needed, we made a little meditation room and we needed a new staircase. So I thought, I had this vision of this beautiful, wonderful wood, wonderful color, warm, elegant, easy, anyway, a wonderful vision of this staircase, which I did not get because I could not get the right carpenter. But I got my staircase and I could still go up to the meditation room. But every time I felt, <laughs> and so finally one day I looked and I realized I was sitting seeing two staircases. There was a beautiful one, the imaginary beautiful one, and there was a kind of not so good, not so pretty one. And I saw that compared, I mean, of course, this staircase compared to the beautiful imaginary abstract one. I mean, it did not came up to scratch at all. <laughs> but this is not real. No. So I kind of thought, yeah, let it go. <laughs> and so now I'm fine with the staircase. <laughs> but you see, and we often do this, I think, with meditation. I think often when we do meditation, we have two meditators. We have the real one, body, physical, there. And then next to it, there is an idealized meditator. <laughs> he floats a bit, or he or she floats a bit. He has no thought, and it's just this bright light. <laughs> and then, of course, this one is poor. I mean, it's really not up to it compared to that one. <laughs> but that one does not exist. But if we grasp at that one and compare, then we'll never come up to scratch. And in a way to see, the only one is this one here. We sometimes tired, we sometimes a little agitated, and we sometimes perfectly fine. And does what he or she does the best they can in that moment. Then you have the sounds. Sounds are very interesting. So you listen to sounds, and as we sit here, I'm in meditation, you know, we can listen to the sound of the heating system, I think, something of that nature, a little, the sound of the car, the sound of people shifting, coughing. And can we just listen without, in a way, commenting on it? I mean, of course, if you are outside in the street, you want to know, I must not cross the street because there is a car. But here it's fairly safe, nothing drastic will happen. And so if we can just listen, and not do anything with the sound, no comments. We perceive it, you know, oh, this is kind of the sound of the flu system, heating system. But we just stay there, stay with the sounds as it rises. And then we can notice it, com it comes and it goes. We can also notice that within itself, it is changing. It is not fixed, it is not solid, and also, it is not there to disturb me in my meditation. It is there just because the room has this heating system. But you see how quickly we can make it per a personal issue. And to really try to listen in that way. And actually we can see that when we listen with creative engagement, the sound is very different. The way we listen to it is very different. It's not fixed and solid. It's just a rise and it passes away. Arises and passes away. And then with listening, what we can look at is words. Because we hear words. 
And what are words? I mean, I'm not a scientific person, but words are just kind of like some sonorous waves. So they said and, they, and they're gone. So they're really not much. They're very ephemeral, they're very light, very fluid. And you might be sitting in meditation and you're perfectly fine. And then suddenly you remember, two years ago, she said this. How could she say this? Really? And then you start to feel really bad. So grasping, holding onto these words. For example, a little practical example. I look at you. But I look at you friendly. Yes, yes. And I say, you are all awakened. And you think, wow, she said, I'm awakened. <laughs> I'm awakened. See, I can teach. <laughs> or, I look at you a little. <laughs> you are all stupid. <laughs> she said, I'm stupid. She's stupid to say I'm stupid. And but what is it? It's just a word. And it's a word to consider. Does it say something about me? Or does it say something about the person who said it? Did I do anything or not? Do I need to buy this word? Because often when we grasp at a word, we buy it. And then we store it. And then, you know, time to time, we kind of cause suffering to ourselves by kind of bringing it out of the bank, you know, to kind of look at it. Instead of seeing how can I creatively engage with these words. The same with the words in our mind. This is one of the things about meditation, is that actually we're constantly talking to ourselves. We have this inner language. And then for us to see, you know, is this true? Is this useful? Can I change my inner language? Can I soften it up? Because sometimes we're a little harsh. I am stupid. I can never do this. I'm hopeless. And then we kind of fix ourselves. And so in a way to, to see the contact, this is why it's so important to see the contact. Ah, why am I feeling not so good? Because I'm grasping at this word, because I'm grasping at this definition or at this kind of image. Then you have the, Smells, smells, you smell, you have smell, mm. and what do you do with smell, you know? Good smell, mm. I like this, generally I want it, how can I get it? Or you smell something bad, oh, I can't stand it, you kind of, it's kind of like, they resist. And what is it? I mean, it's very, again, it can be very ephemeral. And just to see, I mean, the thing is not that we don't smell or don't wear perfume or don't get rid of rubbish, but just to notice what happens when we're in contact. we contact with the smell, what do we do? Do we creatively engage? Or do we proliferate, exaggerate around it? Then we have the taste. And taste is very interesting. You might have... I don't know, some of you might have been on, on retreat where you're in silence, and then the only enjoyment left is the food. <laughs> <laughs> and then you smell the food, and you, you think, that smells good. And then you see it, and you think, mm, that looks good. So generally, you go for a big, a big serving. 
and then you taste the first one, and if it's good, you look. Can I take seconds? You know, it's, this is nearly immediate. I want more. It's good. I want more. And then you, oh, you taste it, and it's anything but what you thought. And you think, this is horrible. How can I get rid of it without anybody seeing me doing this? You know, because we are in meditation or retreat, you know. And so, again, to kind of see, what do we do? If we, if we eat something, if we taste something, what do we do that? As soon as, what is interesting with something that we like, as soon as we taste it, immediately, we want more. It's kind of immediate. We want more. We look, you know, can I get more? But what is interesting is that if we chew, chew it more, like instead of chewing it kind of like, you know, 30 seconds, and then you get more. My favorite is cherries. I eat cherries and, ooh, I want more. And if you chew it, chew it, chew it for five minutes, I don't want more. I mean, it was good, good, but the goodness does not last, you know, because things change, the taste change as you chew it. It's interesting. It's interesting to play around with the taste. And one thing with the taste, also, that it can show us that often we grasp at the newness of the experience. So let's say you have not eaten something for a long time. This happened to me. For 10 years, I lived in Korea, and I did not eat couscous, and I love it. I go to Paris, I go to this place, I know in Saint-Michel, and I go to the restaurant, and I have the best couscous in the universe. It is fantastic. So what do I do? The next day, I come back. I want to have exactly the same experience. Same time, same place, same couscous. And it was okay, <coughs> but it was not the greatest experience in the universe. And that's when I saw I was grasping at the newness of it. But things cannot be new all the time. This is very tiring. If we go for newness, then you know things get old very fast. And so in a way, it's to see how when sometimes we're grasping at the newness, not the thing itself, but at the newness, the first time. And often this happens with meditation. The first time you meditate, and you know, the first time you have what I would call a slight meditative experience, you feel different. And you think, wow, this is amazing. This is the greatest thing in the universe. And then, next meditation, you want the same experience. But you can't have it again in the same way. Because the first time, why is it so amazing? is by contrast, like me with the couscous. I did not have it for 10 years, so it was amazing. But if you have not meditated before, and finally you meditate and find something, you experience yourself differently in comparison, it's amazing. And you think, wow, this is amazing. And then you meditate more, and you might have another experience, but it's not as amazing, because you are not like you were before. Recently, I had this young man, I just a weekend. I mean, he had not done much ever, and we are just doing a weekend, but he had an amazing experience. And I said in one of my talks that everything was impermanent. You know, meditative experiences too. <laughs> so he comes to me very worried. <laughs> because he said, this is amazing. I feel amazing because I am not my thought. I really feel my thought 
But I'm not my thought. I'm not stuck with my thought. They just arise, they pass away, and it's so nice. It's so freeing. It's so spacious. I want it to last forever. <laughs> I said, this I cannot guarantee at all. <laughs> guarantee the opposite. <laughs> so in a way to, to be careful that, you know, often you meditate for 10 years and you say, but I don't have this amazing experience anymore. But I would say you don't have that because the more you meditate, in a way, the more it will become ordinary to feel this kind of thing. When at the beginning it really felt different. Now it doesn't feel so different anymore. So to be careful there. So this is what I wanted to say, to kind of, in a way, look with this kind of like a concentration and looking deeply, we develop this creative awareness. And so in a way to try to see more the contact you know, how when I come into contact with uh, a sight, with a sound, with a taste, with a smell, just see, how, how can I be with that? And in a way, feel the difference between creative engagement and when you grasp. Not to judge it. This is not about judgment. This is about just being closer to the experience. How does it feel? And how can I help myself to be more creatively engaged and possibly less grasping? So we're not going for having no grasping whatsoever. Be very careful here. We're not going for zero grasping, zero person grasping. I would say we're going for 50%, you know? <laughs> we just want to diminish it a little so it's not so tense. There still be a little because we're human. But in a way to try to see how I can, you know, in a way reduce a little the percentage so there is a little less tension, there is less proliferation, there is less exaggeration, and then your creative potential has more possibility to manifest, to develop, to be cultivated. So that's what I wanted to say. So we can just stand up for just a minute and then we'll do the meditation.